Life to me is a really great opportunity to find solutions, to be creative, to solve some of these pressing environmental challenges so that we can sustain just these amazing landscapes we have in Europe that we sometimes take for granted. Life is zweifelsohne eine enorme Erfolgsgeschichte und ich möchte wirklich allen von Herzen danken, die dazu beigetragen haben und mit ihrem Einsatz, ihrem persönlichen Einsatz, Life wirklich mit Leben erfüllt haben. With the EU Green Deal, Europe has embarked on a massive project of change. And life is there ahead of us, paving the way for the concrete implementation of the deal. Welcome to Getting Down to Business, an episode of the Life is 30 podcast series brought to you by the Life Programme to celebrate its 30th birthday. In this episode, we're talking to entrepreneurs from all across Europe who've discovered that going green can be profitable and create whole new markets for innovations. So, let's talk business. First, to Latvia, to focus on paints and coatings, an important sector for the construction industry. However, volatile organic compounds, also known as VOCs, and biocides in paints adversely affect environmental and human health. The Life Alfio project is working to develop natural alternatives to substitute toxic chemicals with safer choices. We particularly focus on toxic substances in building materials. And this is where I had a problem. I have a daughter. She's already 20. But when she was a baby, she uh, had allergies, like breathing problems uh, from uh, uh, the places which is renovated. Uh, freshly. My father is an uh, inventor, and so he invented uh, material what can substitute such type of toxic substances. That's Solvita Kostyukova speaking, the promoter of the Life Alfio project. Life Alfio contributes to EU regulation that targets a 40% reduction in volatile organic compounds by 2030. VOCs can damage the central nervous system and other organs, and some could even cause cancer. The answer for Life Alfio has come from nature, specifically from clay. When you modify the clay, you obtain new materials with new uh, properties, functionality, etc. And uh, so this material, they are like coagulating, for example, bacteria around it and not allowing them to develop. So we are in that way, we are solving the problem what the coating industry has when they are creating paint and coating systems in water base, they always are contaminated with bacteria, fungi and yeast. And so we are using our material and uh, like supporting those biocide free systems. You do not need to use biocides anymore in those systems. Innovations are by nature disruptive. So how have traditional paint and coatings producers reacted? They are very interested. At the same time, they are very conservative. For example, we have this innovation. We go to paint and coating uh, industry, and they start very slowly looking uh, to this material, testing, etc., etc. And this is why we uh, wrote this life project because we wanted to be in charge to accelerate this uh, uh, technology to the market to share it to the industry. Uh, that it's accessible to small and medium-sized companies and they can start manufacturing paint and coatings that what's based on our technology and that is as well uh, um, eco-label compliant and 
is certified. Already, close to half a million litres of new paints and coatings that incorporate the project's innovations have been produced. And Life Alfio is also making its knowledge and discoveries available on a web platform so that manufacturers and stakeholders increase their knowledge and so that product value chains can be more transparent. I asked Solvita how getting into business has been for her as a female entrepreneur. It's so important because it seemed normal that guys are going, networking, supporting each other, but always women stay somewhere behind as well. Like I am a mother, so uh, it's very hard to get somewhere to network, to, to do these things. But it is like mind-blowing because we have been in the same situation, same problems. We are solving similar uh, issues in our lives. And it is like, you know, you, you get inspired, you get support because somebody is already in front of you. You can get to, the, you know, the advices. And this is very, very important. Thank you, Solvita. Life Alfio is a great example of how life supports SMEs developing innovative green technologies. New opportunities for sustainable businesses are identified in the EU's Circular Economy Action Plan, one of the main building blocks of the European Green Deal. In a nutshell, a circular economy is about working towards a regenerative growth model that gives back to the planet more than it takes. Here to tell us more about it is Paola Migliorini, Deputy Head of Unit for Circular Economy, Sustainable Production and Consumption at the European Commission. So the LIFE program is really instrumental in the implementation of uh, the action plan because it is at the core of the concept of circular economy. What I mean by that is that with the circular economy principles, we want to change the way you consume, the way you produce. And to change the way you do things, you need to have a little bit of courage. You need to have support. You need to change completely. You have to step out from your traditional way of, of doing things. LIFE has funded 700 projects on waste prevention and reduction, recycling and reuse, amounting to more than 1 billion euro of investment up to 2020. And under the seven-year programming period that ended in 2020, LIFE invested close to a billion euro in more than 200 projects that focused on the circular economy. When you think the circular economy is mainly about using the waste of someone as your own resource or your own waste as a resource for your own production line. So you can start by cutting the costs of your raw material. You can also generate profits because it allows to invest in new markets, to gain new markets. And at the same time, in a maybe more macroeconomic perspective, it creates jobs. So it's also interesting for public authorities, for example. A recent study estimates that applying circular economy principles across the EU economy has the potential to create up to 700,000 new jobs. We are in a key years for the implementation of the action plan with a series of very important initiatives that have been recently adopted. I'm thinking about... Uh, the initiatives for products, the Eco-Design for Sustainable Product Regulation, modifying, changing completely the way products will be designed and ultimately made available to consumers. We also have uh, uh, adopted initiatives for textiles with uh, important measures looking at uh, the design and end of the waste of, uh, of such resource. We are tabling proposals on uh, bio-based biodegradable and compostable plastics. 
So another area um, where uh, we uh, we are expecting important impacts and uh, improvements. We have initiatives coming up in the, in the next months uh, addressing microplastics uh, release in the environment and packaging also. So uh, as always, when you look at the action plan, we have identified value chains. So we're going to be very busy in the next couple of years still. And we think and we hope that um, businesses can follow us in finding new ways, in proposing new ways, and we will support them uh, always with the funds and lives will continue to be very instrumental in, in this. Indeed, life will go on supporting the innovators in circular economy. And thank you, Paola. We'll hear more from you again at the end. For this current programming period that ends in 2027, the European Commission has increased LIFE programme funding to 5.4 billion euro. Around a quarter of that amount will be invested in the LIFE sub-programme Circular Economy and Quality of Life. Now let's go to Sweden. LIFE ReFood is a project that's working to demonstrate and upscale an innovative circular system from cereal processing bio-waste and turn it into a new fungi-based food. I think the most innovative element is to take biological mechanisms that occur naturally in, in the environment and to apply, let's say, an industrial biotechnological uh, layer to that. I mean, growing fungi, uh, working with fermentation, these are concepts or you know mechanisms that occur every day, everywhere around us in nature. But really to, to bring that into an industrial setting and formalize how you can make this more controlled, uh, more efficient, that is really where both the large challenges are, but also where the really, really big potential is. Anton Johansson is the project manager of Life Refood. His company, Mycorena, is the epitome of an innovative startup which has grown from a small team of passionate young people to an established player in the food sector in the course of just a few years, thanks to hard work and to life. Basically, what we are trying to develop and prove to be ready for commercialization here is a circular production model where you can take byproducts and side streams from the food industry and turn them into very high value food products. So the end product is a fungi-based food ingredient that manufacturers can use to make, whether it's hamburgers or nuggets or sausages or something else, but it's produced in a much more uh, efficient and sustainable way thanks to circularity. Every year, 88 million tonnes of food waste is generated in the EU throughout the value chain, primary production, processing and at consumer level. And as we've already heard in this series, the food production industry is a major CO2 emitter, responsible for a third of all human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, using vast amounts of energy and land. We very much view this as a solution that should be natural for manufacturers in the future to bring into their own production systems. For example, let's say we work with an industrial bakery. What we could do is that we could license this technology. You could plug in our production system, buy products and different things that would otherwise go discarded, go into the system, and out on the other side, you have new nutritious products that can either be you know, put directly into their uh, standard production operations, or used as, let's say, a consumer ingredient if you want to make something like a convenience food sandwich for sale. Uh, producing food in a fermentation process like we are doing is 
an extremely much more efficient way of producing food than, for example, raising cows or, or growing crops. Like so many of the innovators and entrepreneurs we've spoken to in this series, Anton insisted on telling us just how life has changed his life. Just want to highlight, you know, the, the gratitude we feel towards the LIFE program, not only for enabling us to uh, to carry out this project uh, at such a high ambition level. Uh, we very much doubt it would have been possible without it. But also, I think, for all of the other fringe benefits that come with it in the form of network support. Yeah, I would strongly encourage uh, those who might be listening that if you have an innovative project that has significant climate potential, that I would... Uh, if I were them, I would seriously consider uh, finding out how and under what circumstances you could become eligible under the LIFE program. Thank you, Anton, and the LIFE ReFood team. From Sweden, south to Germany now, where another LIFE project has put a different spin on food waste and circularity. LIFE Waste to Protein is using food waste as a base for producing an alternative protein source for animal feed. Jonas Fink is project coordinator, and I asked him how the project got off the ground. Yeah, well, this is actually a little bit funny because I'm, I'm a biologist. And I worked with insects for many, many years. So this was one conference. Um, they discussed this question, can we use insects as alternative protein source? And um, I was really fascinating because I see the potential of insects. And then my colleague, he studied business administration. And um, he was the guy who thought, okay, how we can start a business. And we thought, okay, we should do it. By 2050, the demand for animal protein will be 75% higher than it was in 2007 due to population growth and meat consumption. This could lead to shortages of feed for livestock, especially if the price of fertilizer remains high. But insects could fill the gap and reduce food waste. When you look at the value chain of food, then we can really use on every step, organic residues. So from the field, that means you harvest potatoes and then they are too small or whatever, they're damaged. Um, usually the farmers just put it on the field again. But it's a, it's a waste of, of resources. So we can use really waste streams from the farmers directly. Um, at the moment, we work together with food processing industry, like they're producing salads and whatever products for, for the end consumers. Um, we can use old bread. Uh, vegetables, fruits um, from big supermarkets. The project uses these local byproducts and residual materials, which would otherwise go to waste, to feed larvae. The dried insects are the basis for several products, one of which is insect protein meal, a resource-efficient, sustainable and green alternative to animal feed. The insect protein meal can also replace the production of fish meal and soy meal, both of which have a substantial environmental impact. Also, because Life Waste to Protein's production process focuses on resource conservation in a regional closed-loop economy, the associated greenhouse gas emissions are significantly lower than those from the production of conventional protein sources. At the moment, the insect protein meal is a really good substitute for fish meal and soy meal, or it's a really good protein source in general for our livestock animals like aqua farming, so for fish, but also for pig farms um, or for chicken farms. Also, the pet food industry is very interested in that product because it's also very sustainable. And of course, we can really 
tell these circular economy story. For the B2B sector, one challenge is still the price because the price is higher than soy meal and fish meal. And we have to work to increase our production capacity to getting cheaper. And also with our knowledge, we can optimize our process. Jonas works for Made by Made, the beneficiary company for this life funding, which recently won the dealflow.eu Best EU-Backed Sustainable Startups Award for its work on life waste to protein. We have a lot of potential to use this product directly for the food industry, for human consumption. The acceptance here in Germany or around the, Euro the European Union is still a bit low, but we can work on that. Um, from the marketing, of course, we have a new protein source and so an alternative protein source. We have a sustainable protein source um, and a high-quality protein source as well. Thanks, Jonas. Let's hear now from Janusz Potocznik, former European Commissioner for the Environment and now co-chair of the UN International Resource Panel. As Commissioner responsible for the LIFE programme, he helped to develop the LIFE programme's interest in promoting circular solutions, which has, of course, grown since into one of the four sub-programmes of LIFE. The beauty of LIFE is exactly in effect that with rather limited money, one can achieve uh, remarkable results. So it is well targeted and it's involving very committed local people. It's helping to translate European legislation, care for environment into the practice, and it's bringing care for environment in local authorities and local environment with really noticeable impact. Economic system does simply not value climate stability or nature. Ever-growing resource extraction and processing is responsible for running the triple planetary crisis, as we find uh, ourselves in International Resource Panel. We came to the conclusion that 90% of the land-related biodiversity loss is linked to, uh, to resource extraction and processing only, and also more than 90% of water stress, 50% of greenhouse gas emissions, The circular economy has enormous potential not only to use resources more efficiently, but to use fewer of them from the outset. The traditional focus is on the reuse, on the recycling, often only applied at the end of the product's life. But this misses a major opportunity. The overlooked aspect is the need to reduce resource use as far as upstream as possible. So designing systems For reduced, for reduced use in the first place. This is somehow changing traditional understanding of the circular economy. Thank you, Janusz Potoshnik. We'll come back to you later as well. Now, here's a project that focuses on more sustainable design and manufacturing processes. Every year in Europe, around 600,000 skiers replace their damaged or worn-out ski boots, which means 3,000 tons of plastic and metal going into landfill. The lifespan of ski boots is roughly three years for rentals and five years for private individuals. Life Re-Ski Boot is a consortium of Belgian, Bulgarian and Italian companies testing new processes to recycle all these materials. We asked Gianluca Pagano, the engineer coordinating the technical process, about the biggest challenges they've faced. 
It was very difficult to uh, create a machine able to sort all the material that a ski boot is made of. We have uh, uh, different type of plastics and also metal parts. So it wasn't so easy to throw everything into a machine and uh, find a solution to sort them out. And also it was pretty tricky because if the sorting is not done uh, correctly, we have to be very careful on the characterization of the material to find the right properties that are most suitable for the product line we are talking about. In addition to this technical work on materials, Life Reski Boot is working to launch its own ski boots made almost completely from recycled raw materials. The Jacob design is very important. If you consider that uh, we are not talking about very clean uh, version materials, it is important to adapt the design of the boot to the characteristic of the material we use, the recycled material we use for the project. I asked Gianluca about the reaction from skiers so far. We, as a skier, love the, the, the mountains, the environment in general, so it's pretty important for us to be part of this uh, uh, flow in which we want to be more sustainable. When the market understands we are working on a project like this one, they are giving us good feedbacks, they are happy for that. We uh, published on our social media and website uh, some information about the Life Risk project. They are asking us a lot of questions about the technical aspects of the project. They are happy with what we've done so far. They are very curious about the project because if we don't protect our environment uh, doing uh, things like uh, this one, probably we won't be able to uh, ski in the future. The project aims to define a circular economy business model for ski rentals based on a system in which old ski boots can be collected, sorted and turned into secondary raw materials. Also, the project seeks to provide design guidelines for the ski boot market, ensuring that the materials can be more easily and efficiently separated. And Life Re-Ski Boot is looking at ways to apply these principles to other types of sports footwear. What we see in the future for this uh, system, we want to be able to expand the system this, uh, even to other markets, other industry sectors, and uh, also on other lines of our products. So uh, to do that, we have to define guidelines that are uh, very um, strict and very precise to be able to expand the project to other sectors. Thanks to the Life Rescue Project, we are able to introduce some more sustainable innovations that are received quite well by the market. Thank you, Gianluca. Now let's go to Greece to see how circular economy green technologies have helped isolated communities with challenges related to water supply and shortages. Dimitris Hevgenos was the project coordinator of the Life Solbrine project on the island of Tinos, in the Kikladis. There, desalination is the only way to provide a reliable water supply for human consumption. But it's not without consequences, as Dimitris explains. Now, desalination comes with a big problem. For every liter of drinking water, let's say produced, you get two liters of wastewater, which is called brine. Now, this brine, if not discharged properly, it causes environmental damage. Now, what we did is that we had a pilot. This pilot system had the main purpose of eliminating the brine effluent using 
solar energy and at the same time recovering resources to promote circular economy. So the main innovation of the project, advancing the desalination to the next step, transition from linear desalination to circular desalination. Which begs the question, what happens to all that brine? So the brine is completely transformed into uh, end products, and these are water and salts. So if somebody would see that as a black box, you get seawater, and with our uh, system, our innovation, you get three times more water and salts that you can get back to the economy for different purposes. Our focus on the technical uh, sphere was the brine treatment using renewable energy and the elimination of the wastewater, not that much to recover all the different salts that are contained within the wastewater uh, of brine. Now we're doing that in the follow-up projects. Dimitris is currently working on water mining, an ambitious Horizon 2020 project as a follow-up to Sol Brine to valorize the salts and minerals extracted from the brine to generate, for instance, nutrients for agriculture and raw materials for the chemicals industry. I was looking around in Europe, what were the other research groups dealing with this type of research? That was super important because I reached out for collaboration. For example, with the University of Palermo in Italy, excellent research is being carried out. And this is why we try to have also somehow a new vehicle on how we can really commercialize the project results. Because if you have circular economy solutions, it's not that only one company or one university has the silver bullet. You need to combine different actors. In 2017, Sol Brine was singled out as the best project in the environment category for the whole of the LIFE program's then 25-year history. We asked Dimitris if green can be profitable. In 2010, in 2010, sustainability was a nice concept that you were hearing a lot, but it was not as concrete as it is today because much has happened in the policy and business arenas since then. For example, the adoption of the EU Green Deal, the EU Climate Law, the Zero Pollution Action Plan, all these important elements have now been mainstreamed across sectors and within the society, something that helps tremendously the social embedding of such novel technologies. Thank you, Dimitris. And to conclude, some reflections from our policymaking guests, Janusz Patoshnik and Paola Migliorini, on how the circular economy approach can inspire new business models. Everything is a service model. It's, uh, for me, very promising, where the producer actually maintains responsibility for the product means which is incentivizing him that he's from the very beginning designing the product very in very different ways so that it's reusable repairable refurbishable recyclable so this is a big mentality change if you purchase a service even a jeans you you purchase the function of being dressed and then when you want to change it you bring it back to the owner so you basically rent your clothes. You have an advantage yourself as a consumer because uh, you can change. You have your your style is uh, nourished in a different way. But the um, producer needs to be aware of the materials and needs to ensure that the quality of the product is much higher. It has a longer life. 
So automatically the consumer is served with a better product. And I think that we need to work much more about this uh, business model. So how we bring um, products to consumers in a different way. And I know that uh, life has uh, quite a history on, on that because it's, um, it's front runner. It's not com immediate. It's not the traditional type of projects that, uh, that uh, are funded. So there's a, an element of innovation that is important. Life can um, contribute quite a lot. Paola Migliorini there from the European Commission, rounding off this episode of Life is 30, getting down to business. Thanks to her and to all our guests for helping us to crisscross Europe in search of innovators and entrepreneurs who are pioneering green approaches to business that make life better for all of us. The LIFE program's investment of public money in private enterprises to drive the circular economy forward is just one of the many reasons why it's been such a transformative tool in its 30-year existence. Our final episode in this series called Generation Change will look at young people and their engagement with environmental causes and with the LIFE program. So look out for that. And in the meantime, I think you'd agree that our guests have clearly demonstrated LIFE it's what you make it. Dear listeners, thanks for tuning in to Life is 30, the podcast series celebrating 30 years of the LIFE programme, the EU's funding instrument for the environment and climate action. Life is 30 is brought to you by Senea, the European Climate Infrastructure and Environment Executive Agency. Research and production by Margarita Sforza and Claire Taylor. Our thanks to all the members of the LIFE community.